This episode of Witch Police Radio is my interview with Jaime Carrasco, who's a well-known drummer on the local music scene. I first was introduced to his music on his performances with the Keith Price Double Quartet, and if you're a long-time listener to this show, you might remember that the Keith Price Double Quartet album was actually my favorite local album of 2017. So his music comes highly recommended, I guess. But he's been involved in a lot of other stuff, not only jazz, although we do talk quite a bit about his jazz background, the local jazz scene, and beyond. But he's also played, um, dating back to the 90s, in local rock bands, he's played in local punk bands, he's played in pretty much any type of music you can think of. He's done it. So it's a really cool interview, someone I've been wanting to talk to for quite a while. We've kind of been in touch online for a few years now, actually, talking about music, and it was really nice to get the chance to sit down with him and uh, go over some of this stuff. So most recently, he's been in The Leftists, who have an excellent new album called Demonstrate, which is available now. Uh, it's a really good conversation. Uh, someone who has been deeply embedded in the local music scene for a very long time, and I highly recommend. Enjoy. This episode of Witch Police Radio is brought to you by Demodash Effects, proudly built by hand in Winnipeg. Demodash is the makers of the T120 Videotape Echo, which is intended to give you the sound of a poorly aged bargain bin blank VHS cassette that was used some point in the early 90s to record a wedding or home movie. This is the sound of that tape now recovered from storage and inserted into an equally old and decrepit VCR. This is definitely one of the coolest pedals I've seen in a long time, from the design to the sound to really every aspect of it, including the way it's packaged. And it's made by a guy locally here in Winnipeg who happens to actually be my neighbor. He lives a few streets away, which we discovered um, recently, and I strongly encourage you to check it out. Very cool pedal. He makes everything by hand. Definitely worth looking into. You can go to demodashfx.com to find out more information, or you can find him on Instagram where he posts uh, all kinds of stuff about the newest projects he's working on. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the Park Theatre. To find out what great shows they have coming up, please visit myparktheatre.com. You're listening to Garbage Show, one of the first podcast network. Welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm out in a restaurant and it's not a Robin's Donuts for once. <laughs> Robin's Donuts is the usual spot, but I kind of like this. We're in a completely empty AW, and uh, I'm here with someone who hasn't been on the show before, but probably should have. I mean, we've been kind of talking for a while, and you've come up on a lot of different episodes as well. So I think maybe just to start things off, if you want to introduce yourself, I know you've played in a lot of bands, so we don't do that yet, but just who you are and what you do. As quickly as you can, sure. you can do that. Uh, my name is Jaime Carrasco. Uh, it's uh, people. Some people call me Jamie because it's Spanish for James. I'm a drummer in town, drummer and teacher. And the reason we're in A and W is because <laughs> I just finished teaching at LNM, where I've been teaching for a long time. But uh, don't try to get a, a spot. We're pretty much swamped. <laughs> no Sounds more, like it. Yeah, yeah. No more spots for teaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that the way you first kind of came 
I mean, I, I'm sure I've seen bands you played in before. Not Keith Price Double Quartet. Keith yeah. Price Double Quartet is where I first kind of saw yeah. the name, and I was like, okay, the, I, I've seen this name before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do I know who this guy is? And and yeah, and then I kind of have been slowly sort of delving into as much local jazz as I can find. And so, I mean, your name has sort of popped up more often. And then when The Leftists came out, I was like, oh, it's the same guy. <laughs> and then, you know, just Googling you, you're in all kinds of bands over the years. So, I mean, how long have you actually been a drummer at this point? In, in Winnipeg, like, uh, actually playing out, in yeah. Winnipeg, actually playing out, I would say, yeah, since 91, so okay, a so, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's probably, lo- I mean, some people I've had on the show weren't even born in right, 91, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's pretty cool, yeah. Well, so. you know, thanks for having this old fart on Yeah, well, yeah, I feel like that too. <laughs> sometimes. I've had people on who are closer in age when I do the math to my kids than they are to me, and that freaks me out but no it's so yeah it's nice to have someone <laughs> who you know who has some of the same references and probably even older ones than i do which is cool too sure, so yeah. yeah so um anyway so what i was getting at is because of the keith price connection my impression was that you were a jazz drummer but you obviously you cover a lot more territory jazz train but okay. you know music school didn't turn me into a snob so. right 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 so what what was your training like where did where did you train was i i did a I did a jazz diploma, a two-year jazz diploma, on Vancouver Island oh, in cool. Nanaimo, and from there I transferred to York University in Toronto. Okay, and I did the five-year honors degree there in three years, and then I went on cruise ships for a year and a half, oh, okay. just playing okay. jazz trio. That's so I was pretty so decent. I basically gig, I guess, yeah. left Winnipeg from '97 to 2005. Okay, returned in 2005. Basically, the plan was to stay in Toronto. Yeah. Maybe moved to New York. Okay. Uh, 2003, I auditioned for my master's at McGill, and that was a train wreck, and I <laughs> was kind of depressed, and, okay. and then did the cruise ship thing, and the money ran out, and I came yeah. with my tail crawling back, my legs to, back to Winnipeg, because yeah. my folks live here. Right? Okay, but, okay. Yeah. Did, was jazz always, like, kind of the, what you were interested in, or did you... No, go, no. Okay. It's funny, funny you mentioned that. So, in high school... In grade 10, I, that, I didn't start playing drums until I was in grade 9. Okay. So I started drumming in the end of grade 9. Decided, hey, I don't want to play the clarinet or the alto sax anymore. That's what I did in middle school. Okay, okay. I want to be the drummer, and I had to kind of fight my way to get the drum chair in, in high school. Because everyone wants to do 10, that, right? Because yeah. there was already yeah. a drummer there. So I basically had to unseat him, which was like <laughs> as competitive as I got, to be honest. Right, right. Was to unseat him. And... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Um, but uh, the band director there played me jazz, but it was like the Maynard Ferguson-y kind of thing. Yeah. And at the time, my ear didn't really catch it. I was like, I don't know. Especially as a teenager, right? I felt not, a bit yeah. overwhelmed, to be honest. So I didn't I didn't do it. And But one time, so with this band Sundaws, mm-hmm. we were on tour, and somebody dropped... A track off of Elvin Jones. Elvin Jones was drumming on John Coltrane's right. Love Supreme. Yeah. And I just suddenly went, I want to learn how to do that. Sure. And then I started to kind of listen to jazz and decide I want to learn how to play this music. That's one of the records that... So in a lot of ways, I'm still... I still, you know, after all these years, I still see myself as a rock drummer trying to play Okay, jazz. <laughs> trying to play jazz, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that album, too, because that, that, for me, as a listener, that also was huge in terms of getting into jazz. Like, I had this idea of what jazz was, and I, the idea of what I thought it was I didn't like, and then I heard that record, and it was like, holy shit, this is, this is, this is something different than I had imagined it to be, and that kind of me on a path too not as a player because i can't i definitely couldn't play jazz but <laughs> I, I was in punk bands i can do that <laughs> but no that's cool that's cool so i mean was jazz 
kind of the route you, you took because I often wonder when people take jazz, you know, as an education, whether they take it because A, they're super into jazz or B, because it's sort of one of the main ways you can go as far as music school, right? I mean, you can go classical or jazz for the most part. Is that sort of the... Well, for me, it was a lot more visceral. I okay. mean, for me, as a drummer, mm-hmm. I thought that was really complex and realized it is complex. super complex yeah 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 uh, so i was like well okay this is kind of the apex in terms of complexity for 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 a drummer so sure sure it's kind of unless you're what, in some kind of speed metal or something. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. yeah yeah but that's a different yeah it's different yeah, discipline, it is, yeah, yeah yeah totally I mean, more the endurance side yeah <laughs> for sure things, yeah, yeah 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 so what what um i mean was it just kind of the desire to to keep getting more and more complex and more kind of because it, a lot of jazz almost seems like I don't mean this in a negative way but it, it's wanky in the sense of like people are trying to just go keep going beyond and beyond and beyond right, what they right. were, did done previously was well, that sort of the appeal well, maybe it, maybe in the area of self-expression it, it wanted I wanted to learn to create and and kind of maybe say oh if if the line is a continuum being that things needed to evolve right okay I would have liked to have been part of the evolution. Part of that, yeah. right? Okay. That's but, but the other side of the coin is that I realize that the blues is it is inherent in the genre. Right. And I realized growing up as a rock, the blues is just as important. Sure, sure. And all the rock stuff is, is in one way or another based on... I mean, I was yeah. and am still a huge Black Sabbath fan. Right. And that's, you know, three blues. guys from Birmingham yeah. interpreting the blues in their way, right? In a really awesome way, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's funny how many different styles of music that seem on the surface to be different are all, they all come from the same roots anyway. Like, everything kind of connects, no matter how different everyone wants to pretend it is, right? It's all, it's all, it's all linked. And, and back to Sabbath, the other thing, funny thing is Bill Ward Yeah. probably didn't know it, but some of those grooves, if you just swing them slightly, yeah, they're, yeah. they're like hip-hop grooves a decade before totally yeah totally well and i've heard i've heard him sampled on stuff too and right, it works sure. like it totally yeah. works yeah. yeah that's cool so how did you go from i guess the jazz training to to playing in rock bands then was there any kind of um transition you needed to make or could you already just do that naturally uh well i mean out of high school well the plan was to become a lawyer and mm-hmm. uh kind of hit the wall the second year and I did I was like I didn't oh you actually started going so, to school for that so the parents were like well you've got to get a job now right right so I I did two year stint in a shampoo factory two year stint in a soap factory really and I just got a call one day from a mutual friend saying oh this band is uh is trying to get it together and they need a drummer okay okay and I met them and it was funny they, they all went to the same high school but they were like four years four or five years my junior okay okay and i was like oh my god you guys sound like the best of all my favorite bands like the hendrix experience yep. cream sabbath very bluesy okay but it's the early 90s and it wasn't you know that's all yeah yeah but then but then we realized that there was an audience for it in town because we sure. had a pretty good local following and Played shows with the Meanies. Yeah, quite yeah. Often. Well, and they got pretty big too uh, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people were watching, but that uh, we had enough tunes in the can to do the, the sophomore release, and yeah. and uh, the singer pulled the plug. He was like, "Got to get married and settle down." He's <laughs> like the art teacher at Oak Park High now. Oh, really? For, wow. For like going on twenty years, we're all still great friends. I wonder if his students know of his. Uh 
his recordings? Some of them yeah, do. They do yeah. Yeah. I, I get I get a few of them from time oh, to time. Yeah, yeah. And the minute I find out they go to Oak Park, I'm like, hey. <laughs> By the way, here's you know Mr. Edward. That's hilarious. Like, yeah, I was like, hey, get this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, I, I almost... I mean, in the mid '90s, I guess, which is when you were doing this, right? I was yeah, early to mid '90s. Yeah, I was a teenager, like a young teenager then, right? So, I was going to a lot of all ages shows, but not a lot of bar shows, obviously, because I was just too young. But I remember um, even just going to Corefest and stuff. Like, it seemed like there was so much going on in Winnipeg musically, and and I remember being almost jealous, like a few years later when I started playing in bands, that what I saw happening then was maybe had died down or changed a little bit. So, like, was there, or is this just my perception, or was there, like, a huge thing happening in Winnipeg for bands at that time? Yeah. It, it seemed huge. like it was massive. Like. It was massive, yeah, it was massive. And it took, you know, people with vision, like Chris Ladd, to mm -hmm. start Corefest, and we played the first few. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Such a long, long 
Yeah, it's funny because I was going to say you, you being younger, I was going to ask you a similar yeah. question okay. in terms of the perception that, because I'm getting the thing that people don't jam like they used to. Like, yeah. Like people don't go in the garage yeah, in their basements and get together with folks to jam. And I, I'm not saying just young kids. No, no. I'm that's talking a, adults too. I think it's an interesting point because something that has kind of um, come up on this show a lot, like regardless of who I'm talking to and what age they are, is that I think a lot of bands now, because of the way kind of music is with the internet and with the way you have to self-promote yourself and everything, I've seen a lot of bands starting off and before they've even really written any songs, they have t-shirts and they got sure. a website and they got posters and sure. stuff. And it seems like that part of marketing, marketing yourself, which was always important, is now, for some people, becoming the priority over jamming or over writing the songs or over you know, just playing shows. And it's weird because you get some people who are making amazing music, but they don't have an aptitude for that side of things and no one hears them. And you get bands that suck, and they're really, really good at promoting themselves, yeah, yeah. and so they get all the attention. It's, it's so different. It's, it's backwards. Like, and I think that you, you're probably right. People aren't jamming in the same way because they're so focused on on how to sell themselves, which in the '90s was like a bad thing. You don't want to sell out. Now, selling out is the goal. Which right. is, it's, it's, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that covers everyone. I'm sure there's a lot of bands who are still doing it, you know, the old way. But sure. Yeah, that's the impression yeah, that I, I mean, get. I mean, you know, people knock millennials all the time I'm not I'm not on board with that but I will say that I heard one thing that was really interesting was um, selling out the notion of selling out yeah a group were, of the younger generation were asked what that meant yeah and they took it literally meaning that you're out of product <laughs> oh like literally not, selling not, out. nothing beyond that wow right? so, wow because yeah that was such a big especially <laughs> in the punk scene and stuff right yeah, huge. selling out was terrible DIY like, yeah. ethic I yeah. mean that's still there that's but still it's there now it's different the though of entrepreneurship right yeah now it's now it's all about social media followers and stuff when I mean maybe if there had been that as an option in 97 98 whatever maybe it would have been the same but it's just I think it's because the infrastructure is so different now that it's yeah I don't know but yeah, it's okay to shit on the young kids. I mean, <laughs> I tend to do it sometimes on here, but yeah, um, the, the whole video killed the radio station. Yeah, DM yeah. Too. I mean, I mean, yeah. I noticed a while back that in certain cases, I mean, what Justin Timberlake's yeah playing right now tonight? Yeah, probably right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people tend to see music rather than hear music. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They experience it differently rather than just getting a tape and putting your headphones on. It's it's the whole thing. It's the music videos and the interacting with them and I, now I think I think part of the reason people are so much about that self-promotion is because before you put on a tape you maybe know a couple people who come to your show and you recognize some people in the audience but now everyone has a direct line to people that they whose art they enjoy so I mean if I get a local album or an album from anyone I can just tweet at them and talk to them directly right. and I think it, that's what changed everything because now you no matter who it is you know I could tweeted Justin Timberlake yeah. he's not going to answer me but you know if I want to say something to him like your album right, sucked or whatever right, right, yeah, yeah. he might see it like I think people yeah it's the whole it's just so different it's uh, I don't know it's interesting though yeah. it's yeah. it's pretty funny because today I uh, saw Paolo Hidalgo tweet yeah about seeing Guar 20 years ago and I, <laughs> I flashed back to 89 yeah seeing them at the circuit oh yeah and Biff Naked was working the door and I tweeted that <laughs> yeah and Guar liked the three Right, that's what I mean. It's I'm so like, weird. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Whereas 20 years ago, you would have just said that, and Gore would never yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's super weird. Yeah. 
So yeah, we're in know. a weird dystopian I future. I Twitter. I like Twitter. I do too, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's how we started talking in yeah. the first place, is, is through Twitter. Yeah, so I mean, I guess with that whole thing where, you know, there, there seems to be sort of a division, maybe not a division, but the way that people in the younger generation do things is, is different than kind of the, the old way of doing things that had been going on for decades. How do you... How do you fit into that? Like, how, how do you kind of manage now? Okay, you're in a band, you're in a bunch of bands, you're you're playing, you're teaching. How do you promote yourself as musician? Well, musician in this well, being, you know, being married and having two kids and a young kid. Yeah. Now it's just like lots of stuff is on the back burner. Sure, sure. And uh, pretty much the self promotion and the business end of things. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Honestly, say I'm not hustling as much as I could be. Right. Well, you have time. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah, of in yeah. survival. Yeah. Mode no, I hear you. I hear you. Moment, yeah. Yeah. But I'm managing to be, you know, play as much as I can. And cool.
As, as a jazz musician, as a musician in general, but someone who has a lot of experience playing playing jazz, how do how do you deal with? Um, do you think there's a stigma on jazz that it's something that, to, again, to go with the generational thing, that's something that is mainly enjoyed by older an older audience? Like, do you think that there is a way to sell jazz to millennials? It's almost, or to encourage them to to, to yeah, appreciate I mean, it. Like, for myself, being, I would like to consider myself an open-minded individual. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I notice the the audience is an aging audience. Yes, and like, how do you? And a lot, of, uh, but I mean, a lot of that is because of the whole neoclassical vibe, right? Like brought about by people like Wynton Marsalis, right? Which is who super, runs the yeah, Lincoln yeah. Center Orchestra, and I mean, the money, you know, the the Lincoln Center has a budget of fifty million dollars, right? Right, which is yeah, you know, it, and it's it's funded by the elite, right? So sure. So I think that's the impression a lot of people, younger people, have of jazz too. Is sure. this kind of like black tie? Sure. Sort so of, on a, yeah. so what I'm trying to say is on a on a bunch of levels. Yeah. It's the antithesis of a lot of younger people's. Yeah, yeah. Aesthetic, right? But then, like, when you think about what it actually is, it, it should be their aesthetic because it's, I mean, it's like punk rock, you know, in the sense like that breaking barriers and doing adventurous things and taking something established and turning it on its head. Yeah, like that's, the attitude. Yeah, yeah that, a, it's, I, I find a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, there was a, I wish I could remember the title and the author. There was a great book a few years ago that I think was part of this dude's master's thesis. Okay. And it was tying in the, the notion of the avant-garde jazz yeah. The, yeah. with metal. Okay. Saying that if we're going to if we're going to try to sell this music, we need to sell it to metal fans. Yeah, yeah, they'd be into it, yeah. Which is why I thought it was cool last week that Animals as Leaders was brought to Yeah, the that new was super music, cool, yeah, yeah. To the new music festival. Yeah. Very reasonably priced tickets, trying to turn, you know, I think more than half the audience was already hip to them, but sure. still, I think... But there could have been yeah. older people who were, yeah, maybe Yeah, there were definitely yeah. older yeah. people that I think had never heard of them. That's cool, yeah, so you get a bit of vice versa. Yeah. Kinda, so yeah. I, think, I think the new music festival should do that with some of the some of the out jazz yeah, stuff, yeah, right? for sure. Well, yeah, definitely, I think so. I mean, I think that like it's more punk than a lot of punk is really. I mean, in terms of in how, how far out it goes, like it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's a good idea. What um, what kind of jazz do you? I mean, are there certain artists that you that you really kind of listen to and have sort of always been I mean, a fan of? Or? I mean, I mean, you know, the, the classic stuff. Yeah, uh, I love, but. 
I'm always searching. I'm yeah, always searching. sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Is there is there like a certain sub genre or style that has always kind of stuck with you? Or well, it's just tricky because late, late, I mean that's the other side of it too is that even yeah. the very jazz musicians that are creating this music don't they kind of shy away from labels, right? So. Well, I think everyone shies away from labels. It's the hard <laughs> it's the hard part, right? It's trying to define something, but yeah. So it was like post block what, okay. what is that, right? Well, it's like, it's like post punk was. I don't even anymore. know. Yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard, I guess. It yeah. Well, okay, it's because people tend to think of jazz as a monolithic thing too, right? Which sure. going back to the Marsalis type stuff, it's, yeah. It's uh, there's so many weird subgenres and everything. That, yeah, it's, it's like anything else, I guess. It's like pop or rock or punk or metal. It's all these weird subsets. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the um, jazz in Winnipeg? Because I mean, I th I've been trying to reach out and talk to more artists. I mean, Keith's been on a few times, and he's definitely given me some interesting, uh, pointed me in some directions. Yeah, but, and he's definitely going to be missed now. Yeah, he's, he's going to New Zealand, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, like, I've always had the impression, and um, as, as just kind of an outsider to the, the jazz scene, that the, I think a lot of people perceive it locally as being very kind of tight knit and closed off. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't think it is, but I think there's this idea that there's kind of the jazz crowd. There's an inner circle, absolutely. Well, I think because everyone plays with everyone, right? So it's sort of seen as this weird, incestuous little bubble. Right, right. Yeah. And it, is that the case, though, or do you think it's more open than people maybe it, expect it to be? Well, well, it's hard It's hard to come out of the bubble, I think, mostly right. because Once of you're in, the opportunities. Yeah. I mean, sure. this is a city that's been at the cusp of under a million uh, people for a long for a while time now, yeah, yeah. and there's still no there is not a jazz club in yeah, the city there's crazy. not a jazz crazy. club yeah well there, well, there has been some a few in the and past and there have though, been right? changes too I mean the CCFM the longest running jazz series right. 30 plus years has now changed their format okay it's like not even like every other week is jazz now it's oh, not really? every okay. Tuesday okay. now yeah. So how do you? Yeah, we, like, what's the outlet then? I mean, the festival is obviously a big, a big deal for jazz in the city, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's huge. But yeah. what are um, the other outlets really? I mean, I think that kind of adds to the perception too, because people know it's happening, but they don't know they don't know because there's no club or anything. Right. They don't know where to go, right? They don't right. know how to find it. Right. Well, last year, you know, I was fortunate enough to have applied and and been accepted for the New Sound series, which right. the, the jazz festival time. With an ensemble called the Carrasco Kraus Ensemble. Right. Okay. And that was was that the immigrant stories thing you were doing? Is that yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That sounded. Yeah. I, I didn't see it, but it sounded really interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was it was good. Um, but the funny thing is, three out of the six members of that ensemble yeah. had kids this okay. summer. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. we're like on the cusp of recording an album, but now that's we're that's not on the sure. back burner. It's now. gonna happen. Yeah. I think it's gonna happen, but oh, cool, cool. When I'm not so sure when it's gonna happen because there's other members now that are like their own careers are taking off. Sure, too, so sure. Now they're gonna be away a lot, lot more. Just playing so. shows and touring. So or whatever, who knows? Yeah. We might we may have to make the decision to change the lineup. I'm okay. not sure. Yeah. Okay. And then that, how long did that take to put that whole thing together? Because you did a few shows, right? A couple shows, or was it just the one? Uh, we did the new sounds. That was our debut, okay. and then we we got a slot in Jazz Fest. Okay, right. Okay, that's why I heard it again. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. And the weather hit us hard, but yeah, but was it was it an outdoor it was show? It was raining. Or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's good though. I mean, it makes for an interesting atmosphere. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. And was that well received? Like, did people? Did you get a good response from but, that? That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And you know, the musicians were into it, and everybody wanted to to make the push forward. Cool. To to record it, yeah. So how much of that? I mean, 
I imagine with that project, you're in a very different position than, than a lot of the other ones you do where you're just playing for other people, right? Sure, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, I consider myself more of a sideman. Yeah. Not, I don't have a lot of experience as a leader. And co-leading an ensemble, yeah, it, it opened up uh, a few things for sure. Okay. So uh, did you, how, how, do you, how do you make the switch from that? I mean, if you're spending all these years as a sideman or even as a, you know, an instructor, uh, how, how do you go then to to that level of actually putting the whole thing together? Uh, well, again, more delegate than anything. Okay, um, okay. I, I don't know if I could do it all myself. Right, right, right. I guess the quality of the players helps too, right? Sure, like, yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I wanted to hear that. Uh, and I guess you don't know if that's going to happen again because of people's lives or their lives, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that's... that's you well, know, we it's, plan on recording. Cool, okay, yeah, but, cool. But we'll just say... It'll happen at some point yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned everyone having DVD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone having kids because I used to be um, in the early, I guess, mid two thousands. We had the Winnipeg Ska and Reggae Festival, and I was one of the organizers oh, of the okay. festival. And um, by the third year, I think of it, Running almost ragged. everyone on the committee had kids all at the exact same time, yeah. and it just it just killed it. Like I mean, there were other reasons it died too, but it it that, that just it, yeah that happens and then everything kind of grinds right. to a halt so right. i can i can see how that, yeah. <laughs> how that would be a thing yeah but uh yeah it's i don't know um i don't know where i was going with that but <laughs> <laughs> just yeah I, I can relate um i guess uh so you, how long have the leftists been around because that's sort of your i guess highest profile the leftists have right been now, around right? i believe and guys correct me if i'm wrong it's been a couple because i'm not the original drummer okay okay richard warren uh from kojak Okay. was the original drummer and he was just swamped with between work dad responsibilities yeah and other bands he, he just felt he couldn't fully commit to the leftists anymore okay and i knew ethan because i had played with ethan with uh old folks home okay cool cool i didn't know you were involved with that too yeah yeah, yeah. and uh so the vibe was good and mike coop yeah i knew mike coop from way further back when sundaza was around when he was in um, with Julie Penner was in the band. Oh my, I'm blanking now. <laughs> well, guy's been in a bunch of bands. <laughs> he has been in a yeah. bunch of bands, yeah. So I've always been a fan of Mike Coop, anyways. And, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, here's a chance to play with them. And I really liked the music, really liked the songs he had written. And now we're in the process of, like, basically coming up with some stuff from scratch hopefully cool. for the sophomore album cool so how often are you guys playing shows I mean is it just the reason I ask is because I know you're busy with, oh, it's with funny. teaching I, I, and I everything relate else. a lot to one of the tunes on the leftist yeah, album yeah. which is called part time punk <laughs> <laughs> it was like there's a line that I play in a band that plays once a year oh yeah, yeah. Well, we play about four times a year okay yeah. okay cool and is that sort of the but, the but but the main reason the leftists don't play a lot is because Ethan is the drum and keyboard tech for the Counting Crows. Oh, well, that so he spends sense. a lot of time on the road. Right. right? So, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a that's a big gig. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, I mean, are you comfortable with that level of playing shows though, like a few times a year? I mean, does that at this at this point in my life, for yeah. sure? I mean, it, yeah. it frees up space to play in some other projects. Yeah. How many are you juggling at once? Usually, like, I mean, how many? Do, obviously, you've got the, the, the being a teacher, yeah. uh, teaching drums, but. Um, on a typical, I don't know, typical year, how many bands are you in, or how many people are you well, playing? Well, regularly with? four or five. Okay. Like the permanent drummer. Yeah. yeah. And then I get a lot of sub work. 
Right, right. Okay. Is it mainly for recordings or sub, for sometimes shows? recording, mostly just shows. Okay. So what? Who who are you? Who Regular are the main drummer can't make it. Right. They know I you can, can do it. Yeah. Tunes fast. Yeah. Who are you kind of typically with uh, as a permanent member at the moment? Well, Keith Price Double Quartet, but that, that's like that's yeah yeah. Well, <laughs> Keith, we Keith, know what's yeah, going Keith's on. Keith's going there. yeah. Uh, the leftists uh, have a Ween tribute act right. with Rob Patchell right. in the windups. Um, Corey Anderson from the Fun Ones, Jimmy Anderson called Mutilated Lips. Okay. Uh, a rockabilly group called the Pushrods. Okay. They've been around a couple. I remember of years. that name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been on on high. They. We didn't play any shows in 2018 because they've been writing because we were just doing obscure rockabilly covers. Okay. okay. Well, some not so obscure, but right. mostly obscure rockabilly covers. But now they're writing their own tunes. Oh, cool. Okay. So that changes but things. Because of the, their busy work schedule, it's been slow, but they're getting there. Cool. So okay. as soon as that happens, that'll you know, be a busy thing again, yeah, I guess. Still yeah. Playing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, Bob's good at getting gigs, so. Cool. Yeah. And that's the, the, those again. are the main ones you got going on? Or those you are the three yeah. big okay. ones right now, yes. Take a hand. 
yeah. you know, hopefully the Carrasco Cross Ensemble gets going again right. in, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. In, the, in the jazz realm. Yeah. Um, I'm planning to release a solo jazz record. Cool. Can't say when that's going to happen. Hope, I'm, my goal is maybe let's put it, if we put it on <laughs> on the record. You have to do it then. Yeah, then yeah, I have yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it. So 2020 will be the okay. year to release cool. a solo jazz record. Have you already started kind of the planning for that? Or Yeah, I've yeah. been writing tunes over cool. the years. Yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. Over the years. So it's something that's... Over the year. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. Cool. Do you feel more comfortable playing the rock stuff or, or the jazz stuff or it doesn't matter? Um... Which is more no, fun, I, mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, well, in the in the jazz realm, I'm still like I'll put it out there right now. I'm still not comfortable soloing, right. mostly because I don't. I'm not big. I'm still pretty. I'm still a pretty shy guy, I would say. So I don't really like to have the. But you know the spotlight, the spotlight on, you. on yeah. me. I'm yeah. kind of like, kind of like Mel Lewis in his big band. He he was a he was a big band guy, but he was like the antithesis of Buddy Rich in that okay. he never he rarely played a solo. Right. He was just just the guy at the back. Yeah. 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 That's about funny. what he did, though, like right, being right. in the driver's seat, like, man, could he drive a big bag, right? Yeah. Well, how, I mean, since you just said you're you're going to be working on a solo album, how do you... But not a solo drum no, album. Right, no, 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 but yeah, a jazz <laughs> album under your name, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you, I guess, lead a band then if you are the type of person who wants to kind of be shy and stay in the back? And not be flashy oh, like it. Simply by letting the music do that. Right, and just talking. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah, 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 yeah. So... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take solos, but it's it's something that you know. Right. Not that I'd rather not. It's more that I don't. I'm still feeling that I'm a work in progress in that realm. Okay. Okay. Will, that, will you ever what, not feel like what, that? What's my Achilles' heel in my development as a jazz drummer? Yeah. It would be solo. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like that's ever going to change? Like, do you, th- or do you think that's kind it's of? It's changing. Yeah. But but you know, it it feels like. It feels like almost a glacial pace okay. for me, okay, right? Sure, maybe, yeah. maybe that's not the case, but for yeah, me, it yeah, feels yeah. like yeah. it's happening at a glacial pace. <laughs> is that is that a fairly common thing though with jazz? Just like because there's there's so much. Uh, I mean, you're typically playing with people who are all really really good at their instruments. Uh, is there kind of a everyone sort of thinking they're not quite there yet, or are some people just super confident and? Uh, people are confident, but yeah, for for the most part, it's been my experience yeah. that even people that you worship or idolize sure, yeah. and and perceive as being world class yeah. are There's some of the most insecure people you you'll meet sure yeah yeah that's that's interesting yeah it's a, i think that the maybe the self-loathing is <laughs> yeah 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 i kind of i, I, I don't think that's genre specific no i think it's musicians <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah although i guess the difference is i mean when you're playing in a band that that's you know guitar bass drums and singing and it's fairly straightforward. It's a little different than, than when you're playing something that's instrumental and you're being highlighted as a soloist. I mean, different level of uh, fear, I guess, right? Can right, play, right. Yeah. Well, the whole notion of overhead, right? It's like, but there's all so many other things to put into a backbeat. Like, sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, the notion of pocket. Like, right, right. Making it really deep and, yeah. Yeah, which is a, a thing you, I, you often hear kind of attributed to, to really good jazz drummers too. Is that, that that idea of being in the pocket, right? I think I think that only that only opens doors. Okay. So, say in my teaching, for example, even even if you don't even listen to jazz or don't ever want to, you know, don't yeah. dig it. If you learn the basic fundamentals, you're going to be functioning under another rhythmic grid. Okay. That you can think about. And that will deepen your and apply pocket, it to whatever right? you're doing. Right? Well, there's a guy, there's a drummer out there named Billy Ward who wrote a book okay. on the on the mental game of drumming. And okay. His argument was 
the guys that with the deepest pockets have multiple subdivisions going on in their not just in their mind but in their body okay okay so, so like they're splitting themselves it's apart not about, just yeah. yeah it's not just eighth notes happening even okay. though they may be just dealing with eighth notes right right but there's something a deeper level yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's something interesting because i mean i i i have played drums like I was in a band, I had one one song I switched to drums for. I could do a very simple beat, and that was it. But I think it's one of those instruments, like like piano, in a way where you to be really good at it, you do have to split your brain into multiple parts. And one of the reasons I was always shitty at piano is I mean I can play guitar fine, but with guitar it's always both hands are playing something related to each other. Like you know what this hand is doing is directly connected to what this hand is doing. Piano I can play chords, but that's it. I can't. Right. The idea of splitting it and doing a bass line yeah, and doing. Yeah. It doesn't work yeah. for my brain, yeah. and I feel like drumming is kind of the same way. I can do a very basic beat, but anything that becomes more complicated with the feet and hands yeah. and everything—it's like you have to have a certain kind of yeah. And then singing on top of that, right? Sure, Five-way yeah. coordination. Yeah, I don't know but, how that. But back to the piano. Yeah, piano was my first instrument. Okay, okay. And then I kind of dropped it totally when I first fell in love with the drums. Right. And I fell in love with the drums because where else are you encouraged to hit stuff? That's yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll be honest yeah. about yeah. it. That's, yeah. That visceral quality—that's what drew me to, totally. to the drums, right? I think that's what draws most people to drums. I mean, actually, I mean yeah. you know, you know, deal with violin, the intonation alone. Like, be prepared to accept the fact you're not going to sound good for a Years. long time, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can't really get angry at it either. If you're pissed off, you can't really. But anyhow, you know, going back to school, that was a huge mountain to climb to try to get your piano back because it didn't matter what your chosen instrument was. You had right. to have at least a grade four equivalent. Piano, right? Okay. So that was a tough mountain to climb, but I still play. But yeah. I'm not going to gig. Right. I, I, right. I'm a hack, but I use right. it more like as a compositional tool. Okay. 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 And do you still play? I think you said before you did like sax and clarinet. Yeah, I haven't is played that... any woodwinds in a while. No, yeah. no. So that's gone. I have, yeah. I have zero embouchure. Yeah. 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 No, no. yeah. Drums is drums is it. Yeah. Drums is it. Yeah. yeah. Do you find? Uh, I, I mean, mean, I play a little bit of bass and guitar, but sure. Just is just that a again tiny bit. composition kind of thing or? Uh, no, somebody gave my oldest daughter a ukulele, and okay. I was like, it would be fun to play this thing, so it's slowly been... <laughs> yeah, teaching been yourself? Teaching myself, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I have the same thing in, in that I have a, a drum set that got given to me for my kids, and they, they like to bash around on it, which is great. I mean, I'm quite happy with that, but I think I'm hoping that one of them, one or the other, gets really into it, because it's, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a different instrument to have. I find that when I was a kid, you know, a teenager playing in bands, there was a million guitar players, and a million bass, less, few less bass players, but you know, still drums. You have one or two guys, and they play drums for everybody because right. they, not everyone has a kid, right? So yeah, I'm hoping that one of my yeah. kids gets into yeah. drums, because then there's a lot of opportunities for them to be in bands, whether it's a punk band or a rock band or a folk, whatever, you know. So yeah, drums are that that thing. You need a drummer always. <laughs> yeah, you find a guitarist walking down the street. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, you know. People talk about, you know, the band being only as good as the drummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's funny though because I always like to use this quote by Billy Higgins, the great late jazz drummer mm -hmm. Billy Higgins, who said, "I've been bailed out of more situations by good bass players than the Lord." <laughs> like for me, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like that that hookup between a bass player and a drummer. Yeah. If you don't have that, I guess it's, it's everything's lost, that, right? So yeah. so I, I would go. Let's add the bass player to that. Yeah. You equation. need a good rhythm yeah, section. Yeah, yeah. You need a good yeah. rhythm section. Yeah. yeah. How, how does that work in something like uh, the double quartet where, I mean, there's <laughs> the same thing, but there's just more of you. Like, how, is it the same kind of connection? Or if, you, if there's two drummers, how do, you, how do you work with the other drummer like that? Um, yeah, I mean, in some ways with that group, it was almost like 
versus. Okay. Not 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 that you're fighting, right? Right, right. So on the one side, I Kevin would be more solo. Okay. More dramatic stuff. Okay. Right? Very much busier, and I would just do the pocket stuff, and I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't, <laughs> I can't right. compete with him on that. Right, level. right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll be honest. So you just kind of find a way to mesh it, to mesh the two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the bass player is the same because one's electric and one's upright. One's upright. Sure. So who, who are you following? So then? they're like fall. They're like they're like uh, filling holes more than anything. Okay. Okay. So when there's that many people, though, are you sort of still picking one person to follow? Or yeah, you, so yeah. it's interesting because then you can like play, you can go, oh, I'll be here, listen to that a little bit more. Right. Because your mind explodes if you try to hang on to everything. Right? Sure, yeah, yeah that's, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Even listening to something like that, just trying to figure yeah. out who's doing what. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. I can't imagine being on stage yeah. and trying to figure that out. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's but cool. I'm, you know, I never, funny with the live shows, I never... I never explicitly told the sound man turn this down. I right. still wanted to hear as much of everybody, but consciously, yeah, I would have to make decisions for sure. Going, where, where do I lean right now? Sure, yeah. I mean, is it the same way as far as bass when you're drumming with a rock group too? Is that what you're? Is that who you're kind of wanting to sort of? I think it depends on the context. If it's more of a a singer-led thing, then right. it's the Then you're following yeah. the vocals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you're not trying to step on that, those okay. toes. Yeah. Okay. What is the, uh, I mean, I know, you, I know you mentioned you want you have the, you want to work on your own record, and you have uh, a lot of the <laughs> stuff on the go, but kind of what's, um, what is your eventual goal with all this? Are you just hoping to keep doing what you're doing, keep teaching, keep playing with as many people as will have you, and then doing your own stuff on the side, or do you eventually want to have kind of, uh, distill it all into one project that is like your project. Oh, I mean, ideally, sure, it would be great to to have this one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're gonna do this while in you're, the meantime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. The, the body's willing. To yeah, yeah. Well, as long as you, as long as you can juggle all this. Stuff, I mean, I always lately I think about that whole the story about the Indian guru, the Indian tabla master, who's like mind is sharp as attack. And his goal was, as he was developing, to sharpen the mind. But then okay. he realizes, when he finally got there, his body is falling apart. And now, yeah. to be honest, I'm aging. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, I'm thankful every day that I can still do what I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you get enough practice doing it, I guess, too, right? That helps, like, to keep your sure, keep you sharp. Sure, at it. Yeah. sure. Yeah. I am. De I'm definitely playing every day. Yeah. That's well. Whether you're, you're now, teaching. Now, now the question oh. is playing with people every day. That's right. what I'd rather be doing. Right. Okay. Of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess that uh, you probably have a pretty decent amount of that already, right? Or, 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 I mean, this is another question, I guess, about the groups you're playing with. How, how do you make time for rehearsals? Yeah, scheduling rehearsals is, is, tr it is tricky. Mostly just practicing on your own and it's then coming tricky. to. Yeah, mostly hope to have the music ahead of time and okay. shed on the, on the own and then do, you know. And show up when you can. I usually like to, you know, because there's bands that, you know, the leftists including in a perfect world we'd be rehearsing every day no matter what whether sure. there's a gig on the horizon or not yeah but i'm at a point where i just can't do that so and probably none of I'd them can either just right? do a couple of rehearsals before the gig and that's it okay yeah. okay so if, i do like to rehearse though well i should hope so <laughs> no because no, it's funny because in in certain circles in the jazz realm it's almost like no we, you don't rehearse oh you really just they just want to improvise just, as they kind of you just make it happen right? okay is it hard to play with those people? No. No. You can just fit right in there. And no, but the result is always going to be different. 
<laughs> I guess, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, if someone is, is hearing this and they, they didn't know who you were beforehand and they're hearing you for the first time on here, what's the, where would you point them in a direction to hear music that you've played on? Like, what's uh, the, the best option? Uh, YouTube YouTube okay. channel uh, is Blue Carrasco. Okay. Uh, Instagram has a lot of drum stuff. Uh, that makes sense. Shows in gear. <laughs> well, and I mean, the family, it's, it, it's everything pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my IG, yeah, it's pretty much everything. Are there certain Twitter records? Twitter tends to be more political. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> are there certain records you've played on, though, that you would sort of say these are the kind of the the best or the most uh, best entry point to, to, to the stuff you've done? Because you've, you've done a lot of... Well, 2013 was a big year for recordings. Okay. Uh, I was on Greg Reckes's Punk Cousin. Oh, really? Awesome, yeah, yeah. I was on uh, Beef Donuts, okay. uh, Famous for Quality. Yeah, yeah, it's a good I album too. I was on Flying Fox and the Hunter Gatherers okay. Fruit and Ash EP. It's a lot of stuff, yeah. Uh, but I'm really proud of the two Keith Price albums. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those are really good too, yeah. 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 Okay, so that's a, I mean, I guess that's a good mix of, uh, of the jazz stuff and yeah, the, yeah. the other stuff, yeah. Is there, is there one record that you've done that you would put above the rest? Like, have you done something that, that's sort of the, the apex of your career so far, or is that still to come? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, it's, still <laughs> hoping it's still to come, yeah. Cool, okay. And do you have any shows uh, in the near future that you want to plug? I know the Ween thing is happening, right, uh, soonish? Yeah, so Ween got together with Color by Numbers doing a Weezer set right, last Wiener, year right? yeah. and it was really successful. Okay. So we're going to do it again on March 16th at the Cavern. Cool. So that's uh, Color by Numbers as Weezer and Mutilated Lips doing the music of Ween. Are you a big Ween fan? I am a you big Ween fan. You have to be, fan. I think, I guess, yeah. to do a cover yeah. band. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was the first thing when Rob Patchell asked me if I wanted to be the drummer. Yeah. The first question was, "Are you a Ween fan?" And right. I said, "Absolutely." But you'd have to be, I think. Otherwise, yeah. it's not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna be fun. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. No, but you know, after learning all those parts, I was like, "Nah, if if you <laughs> if you're this drummer who never heard of, of yeah. Ween and you just had to learn the parts, I think you could get into playing those songs." Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And that's at the Cavern, you said? Yeah. Cool. On um, March 16th. March 16th. And then uh, I guess the leftists will play when they play. Sometime sort of in April with yeah. the rules and microdot. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, and the tape TBA. is the tape is out now. The tape is out now. Is this on CD as well or just just cassette? Just cassette. Cool. Yeah, very small run of cassettes. What was with the download uh, codes in them? Uh, the album's called Demonstrate. What was the reason for going with tapes? I'm happy. <laughs> I still listen to tapes, so I'm happy to see it on cassette. But was that just sort of a... That was just coop. Yeah. Okay. But it's funny because I just got this email from some company saying 2019 is the year <laughs> of the cassette. It, I think it is. It's coming back like crazy. It's, it's, it's weird. I mean... But the reaction at the last two shows, because before that we did a show with the Rippers at yep. the Park Theater. And people would come to the table and be like, what? Oh, really? <laughs> I don't even have a tape player anymore. I think I, I've known people who have released tapes and don't even have a tape player, right. and they just do it because people want the thing to bring home. So yeah, it's cool. It's a weird, weird, again, dystopian future we live in where tapes are big again. But yeah, um, then those, we're pretty proud of that album. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I listened to it online. I haven't. Uh, I'm looking forward to putting the tape in, but uh, yeah, it's a cool album. It's very, very, uh, very poppy. Like just incredibly poppy. The hooks and stuff. It's cool. Which I guess is sort of to be expected. Yeah, yeah, Mike. <laughs> Mike yeah, Hoop, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's, responsible. It's very cool. 
Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, um, people should definitely check this out. Check out the Lepsis tape. Check out all of your other projects, uh, including this 1996 Sundaz uh, CD, <laughs> which I'm also really looking forward to hearing. Um, and uh, if you want to hear more episodes of this show, you can go to witchpolice.com. All 350-whatever episodes are there for free download and streaming. You can get um, the two Keith Price episodes, which you hear some of your stuff on there. And I'm sure there's other bands that... Uh, you've been involved with that have been on the show or people and there's so many connections to sure, Winnipeg, sure. right? And then you can tune in on uh, Sundays at midnight on UMFM 101.5 to hear old episodes of the show. So it's February now. Who knows when this will air? Maybe in the middle of the summer or something. <laughs> but by that point, maybe you'll have some more uh, more stuff out or more different bands playing shows and things. So people can just immediately go out and look you up and find out what you're doing. Thanks a bunch for having me, Sam. Yeah, thanks a lot. You read my mind, Marty. We're going to do one more and then we're going to uh, do a short break and we'll back for a little bit more music afterwards. Uh, the guys from Paul Center are going to join us for a big, crazy, chaotic, but awesome jam. So please stick around. Um, yeah, this was called The Riot. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you. 